Hello and welcome to the Not A Game podcast. We are on episode 60 and joining me today, it is the core group of awesome people. It is Tom Hatfield. Hello. And Jordan Erica Weber. Hello. And myself, Philip War. Great diss on Craig and Cara there. Yeah, <laughs> they said to us, the most awesome. they do not exist. They are, they are as, I don't know, ants in the wind. <laughs> ants in the hourglass. Something. Yeah, I think you're confusing ants Great. and sand here. No, no, definitely ants. Um, no, I suppose they're all right too. Fine. <laughs> Okay, cool. So, today I was writing about the upcoming potential Hearthstone expansion featuring, Mm. like, a bajillion squillion new cards. So, I guess the dumb question today was, if you were a Hearthstone card, what would the fun ability or thing or text info thing be that you could do? Pip, I've never played Hearthstone, so I have no I idea what you're talking what? about. <laughs> oh, this is useless to me. Basically, just so you know, is it like just so clubs? like I, we can't even talk to each other anymore. <laughs> I, I did play the Magic: The Gathering when I was a kid. Is it basically like that? Yeah, it's a collectible card game, yeah. and so what you do is um, you build decks um, based around particular like factions, and then um, you sort of play them and try and sort of get the the, the other person's health down by mm. doing damage and casting spells and all kinds of things and healing your own uh, healing your own hero. Um, but so each of the cards has like the damage that it does and the like the health that it has and also like a lot of them have a a bit of text that explains you know what they do when you play it or they you know they they have an effect on a card that is positioned next to it or you know that kind of stuff um and someone quite recently did um, a sort of reimagining of the Game of Thrones uh, characters as as um, Hearthstone cards, which was actually really cool because, like, they you know they use the the text and the um, the health and things as their own uh, you know to sort of um, embody what the characters were about. And mm-hmm. so I just, I just thought that if we were all on the same page, that that would actually How be about, pretty Pip, cool. I've got, a, I've got an alternative. How about as a person who knows what the hell Hearthstone is, you tell us <laughs> what our cards would be. Oh, I was going to use your answers as my thinking space. So that's not going to work <laughs> either because I really hadn't thought this through. I just, it had been what I thought when I was, I was desperately gulping down some dinner. So. Hmm. So, what are my special skills? Let me think. I'm pretty good at getting people to do things for me. <laughs> um, let's see. What else can I do? So, maybe yours could be like your battle cry would be to take control of an enemy minion. Oh, <gasps> yeah. Like mm. mind control. Yeah. That'd be great. I think that okay, could work. Yeah, That's sure. definitely like an ability that fits with the game and is okay. already in the game. So yes. I mean, my health is pretty low, probably to you know to to counter my awesomeness. Mm. But um, I think I I think I pack a good punch. I've got really really tiny fists, so like <laughs> <laughs> the whole force over surface area thing that I'm sure I'm thinking wrongly about that I learned about in physics GCSE. You know how when you tread on someone in stilettos, it hurts them more? 
Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah so the fact, the fact that my hands are so small means that my punches hurt more, I think. So my damage is probably quite high. Let's Do they have elements? That. Do they have types? Uh, no, there's a mana cost. So you've got 10 mana crystals or well, so in, on your first turn you have like one and then, you know, like you gain a crystal that you can use to okay. fund your card putting downness well, uh, as mean, the game goes on. I'm so. pretty high maintenance, so probably my maybe mana a cost six. is quite high. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a six or something. That could sure. work. Sure. Let's go for that. Cool. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's done, I think. Mm. Tom? Well, my main superpower is just being enormous. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know how that would fit. That you think you'd be said. a kind of tanky kind of character? <laughs> Probably, Because yeah. you could be like, you could have quite a lot of, you know, um, health and quite a lot of, like, damage and maybe taunt. Like, mm. you know, the damage would have to focus on you because, you know... Then sense. and then, like you could play you, and then the taunt would mean that they couldn't attack anyone but you. And then you'd play um, Erica, and then you'd take control of their enemy minion anyway. So then you'd have, mm. you know, quite quite decent, you know, advantage. I'd say. Cool. This is good. <laughs> so no sure. idea what mine would be. <laughs> um, yeah, I really hadn't hadn't considered most of this. So um, super duper fashion sense. God. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe have, I could like, like cloak myself then. Yeah. I do like capes and things. So maybe like stone. Pardon? No, alas. Oh. Like their equivalent is like different kinds of card backs. So oh, that you can make your deck look different. Um so yeah, maybe I could use a cloak to sort of go invisible for a while. Like, you know, not be able to be attacked and things. Like Harry Potter. Mmm. <laughs> Can you also speak in parcel tongue? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I'd speak to. Maybe some of the dragons and things. <laughs> They're kinds of snakes, right? <laughs> well, that's your answer then. Yeah. You can't. You've you've answered most of it yourself. To be honest, I've given myself too much work. This is that's the that's the stupidity of all of this. I should just never have gone for the dumb question. I should have just just motored on and made you tell me what you've been playing. <laughs> um, actually, as it goes, I think we were all at Eurogamer, although I was only there for the Thursday morning it, for like three oh, hours. Oh, I was going to say, were you wearing your invisibility cloak? <laughs> <laughs> I I was there until maybe half past twelve on Thursday morning. Yeah. So I it was very much days. running around the left field collection and then <laughs> heading off. But yeah. So what did you guys see? What did you, what took your fancy? Well, I have written a blog post about this, which I will hopefully share in the show notes. But basically I didn't play any of the AAA games because mm. I don't really like to queue. <laughs> um, I think so. For those who don't know, EGX is split into, or this year it was split into two floors. And on the ground floor, there was lots of noise and there were lots of lights and lots of children who were there to see YouTubers and to play Minecraft and things like that. And um, there was lots of, there were lots of stages with people shouting things into microphones and there was Call of Duty and there were other games like that downstairs so i didn't really i kind of ran for the escalators and escaped upstairs into the relative haven of um the egx res section and the left field collection which are like the indie game 
sections. Um, I think they describe the Leftfield collection on the website as quirky and curios and stuff like that. So those kinds of words. Um, I played, let me think, my favorite game was Mushroom Eleven, which is a kind of puzzle platformer in which you play basically a blob, like a green blob made up of, um, I guess, kind of individual units. And what you do is you when you hover your mouse or when you click and hold and drag down over the end of the blob, it like deletes that bit of it and it grows back in the opposite direction to where you deleted it. So it kind of grows. Maybe we've talked about this on the podcast before, but if not, um, it grows back in the opposite direction and it doesn't, at first you think it's going to, cause it looks kind of fluid and you think it's going to flow, but it doesn't, it acts like a solid. So it, um, if you get it to the top of a hill, it won't flow down the hill. It'll roll based on what shape it is and stuff. So the physics are quite interesting. But you've got to do things like um, you've got to get the fungus to move through tunnels by deleting it on one end and letting it grow back on the other end. Um, and you have to, like, redirect it and stuff. And you have to um, – it takes a while to get used to it. And then you have to kind of think around it to to get it to move through the different environments. Um, and there are bosses even. Um, there was only one level at EGX, but it was really, really cool. And the developer said that I was really good at it. So <laughs> – um, that obviously gave a few uh, plus points in my book. That was my favourite game. How about you, Tom? Uh, again, I saw mostly the uh, rest and left field stuff because I made the mistake of going at the weekend and it was real. Uh, uh, all of the AAA stuff was really full at that time. I think perhaps if I'd gone on like a Thursday, it might have been better off um, and turned up early in the morning rather than having a line. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> What did I like? I enjoyed um, Big Pharma, which was... Which is not, as I learned, about a farmer (laughs) in the old McDonald's sense. It's farmer with a PH, right? Yes, as in pharmaceutical. Uh, Yeah, um, but that was uh, really interesting as kind of a... um, It kind of built itself as a uh, sort of bullfrog-esque, darkly humorous, morally ambiguous... Uh, kind of management game when you play as someone in the pharmaceutical industry and you've got a uh, you've got to choose between things like um, you know trying to cure cancer or selling Viagra because that makes you more money. Um, but it's also like got this strange sort of a logistical angle. So you've got all these little machines, um, and you'll have like an importer which will bring a certain ingredient into the factory, and then um, which you um, discovered by sending expeditions into rainforests and stuff like that. And then you might um, put that through a, uh, a device like a, 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 a centrifuge um, to purify it and make it, work, and make it work better as, I don't know, um, an anti-headache medication. And then it goes into an ex- ex- exporter to go out. And you do this with a bunch of little conveyor belts. But of course you might have lots of different ingredients going through, lots of things that want to go through different machines and be picked up at different times, and you can have these conveyor belts sort of interlock and merge and uh, split. And so it's this uh, really uh, fascinating little logistical puzzle to try and lay out your factory as efficiently as possible so you don't buy multiple machines or use up too much space. Is it more of a puzzle than a management game then? The bit I saw... Uh, the bit I saw at the time was, I guess, it's, well, um, I don't know, management game is kind of a broad term, I guess, but it's, a lot of it is about... Because it looked to me like theme hospital. Yeah, but, um, 
in, in arrangement and stuff like that, there is a puzzle-like element to it, I think. Okay. Um, an almost sort of pipe mania kind of uh, feel. Um, but that said, that all they had at the, uh, at the demo was like the factory floor layout. Um, so about like how you sold your products or how the research was done wasn't um, working at that point. So that might be more traditional management game stuff. Um, yeah, it looks really pretty as well. It's um, it's, it took me ages to figure out what it reminded me of, but it's like the um, if you ever, I don't know if you ever saw the portal level editor. No. It has this. Um, I think it's the same one we use for some animations within the game, but it has this really nice sort of um, clean, work, uh, very stark white look. Um, yeah, which is really pretty and a really interesting concept actually. Uh, so it'll be it'll be cool to see where they go with it. Um, because I think the, I think the, uh, I, I spoke to him for a while back because he, he actually works in uh, Bristol at the um, Bristol Games Hub. Uh, and he, I think he basically came up with this logistical puzzle thing at the start. And then when he started thinking about doing, as soon as he started thinking and talking about doing the pharmaceutical industry stuff, obviously, you know, kept people kept mentioning like the various dodgy moral things about the part about the pharmaceutical industry, and he started thinking about incorporating those. So. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I, I saw a lot of other things as well. Um, Virginia was quite good. Yeah, I heard good things about that. Um, I sat down and tried to play it, but I only really got like five minutes, and I don't think that was enough to get what was going on. Because it kind of it started like um, I thought that it was broken because I would do something and then it would kind of switch to a different scene, and then I realised that it was doing that intentionally. And everyone was like, "Oh, you should play Thirty Flights of Loving," but I haven't played any of those games, so I didn't. I didn't get. What was what was happening? <laughs> yeah, it is very similar to Thirty Flights in that it does like film film jump cuts as you um, go along. Um, so yeah, it um, which is alarming the first time you do it, but it's not as disorientated as I think people expect it to be. In that, uh, yeah, you'll quickly cut between two different scenes, especially in Virginia, which is kind of has a tendency to make you sit down in chairs. In fact, the entire demo is basically you sitting down in chairs, and then the scene cuts into a different place. Um, so yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's I like sitting in chairs. <laughs> it is this, uh, similar to, uh, 30 Fights of Lauren, which is kind of a game that's set within a film in the sense that it cuts around, um, rather than showing one linear story. Um, it does that, but it's got this whole, like, X-Files, um, Twin Peaks vibe to it, uh, which is, uh, really cool looking. Um, but yeah, there wasn't that much in the demo, I don't think. I don't know how far into it you got. Um, not very far I sat down in a few chairs uh, and that was pretty much it yeah. but I'm interested to see it when it's finished I, I mean I got that with a lot of the games there I was like I know that this this looks interesting but I really can't like I'm withholding judgment because I really just want to sit down and play this on my own in my own house in my yeah. own time without all this noise and stuff around me like I wanted to play um oh, what was it called the adventures of Bertram Fiddle which is like a really mm zany looking cartoony adventure game but there's no point playing an adventure game at an event like that like you'll just get frustrated and i just i can't play games in front of people as it is like i get so worried that people are going to be standing behind me like what is she doing she doesn't know what she's doing like i got this um last year i snuck to the front of the queue to play titanfall because i needed to play it for work but that meant that because they let me in i didn't get to see the training video thing so i had no idea what i was doing 
So I was sitting there playing this game that all these people had queued up for an hour to play and they were all stood behind me absolutely fuming because I didn't know what I was doing and they just let me straight in. So that was pretty awkward. Also, I played Alien Isolation this year and the guy who was helping, whose name I don't know, thankfully, or I would have um, mentioned him, came over and was like, oh, um, you should do this, this and this. And then he was like, press L2. It's that one. And like pointed to the L2 button on the controller. Like I didn't know, like I didn't know what a PlayStation controller was or something. Wow. Yeah, was he doing so that, that was, to uh, everybody? Like, was no, he just, no. like, overly efficient? It was, well, it seemed, I mean, he, he did hurry over as if he'd been waiting for me to to die. Um, I just, I mean, I crept out, and then the alien was right there, and as soon as it sees you, it kills you. Mm. I didn't, like, I didn't know that you could pick up the flamethrower because, and just, and shoot it, and it would run away, because as far as everyone's been talking about the game, I thought it was kind of, the point of it was that you didn't have weapons. Yeah, I think this was the first demo they did that had included the flamethrower or anything. Yeah. Else. So I was trying to sneak around and stuff, and it just so happened that the aliens saw me straight away. But this guy was like, oh, no, pick up the flamethrower. Like, you want to use the flamethrower all the time. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I was going to say, um, I wasn't that impressed with uh, Birch from Fiddle um, in the end. It's really, really nice animation and some uh, some decent jokes, but it was very basic adventure gamey stuff. Um, you know, just like, um, it, it kind of felt like, um, very early adventure game things, like, like literally here's the puzzle where you have to figure out how to move the uh, chest out of the way so you can open the, uh, find a key to get out of your own house. And <laughs> other such slight, uh, other such, it felt like the, all the adventure game logic was just a, a, a pointless obstacle in the way of you actually playing the game. Isn't that always the case? <laughs> well, not always. I mean, some people definitely see adventure games that way, but I'm still a fan of them, and I think they, it's something, uh, and I, I think they work really well in something like um, the Blackwell games or Broken Age. I'm really looking really forward to, forced. really looking forward to the second part of the Double Fine Adventure. Yes, I'm really, really excited about that. I've heard anything about it for a while, and I hope it turns up before the end of the year. Yeah, it better do, because I don't want to. All of these AAA games that are coming out, I'm just not interested. <laughs> Um, did you play Kitty Powers Matchmaker? I didn't, but they had the best stand. Oh, it was, it was amazing. amazing. I went, so I played it and, um, really enjoyed it. And the guy was like, has this, uh, has this changed your, your first, your initial impressions? I was like, what are you talking about? I knew I was going to love it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't have any negative impressions. I walk over to this stand. There's a drag queen who's like taller than you, I think, Tom. <laughs> Well, Which is saying like something. A three foot of hair, a three foot of beehive head. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing, and just loads of people in. You know, I think were they wearing lab coats, like pink lab coats or something. Yeah. Anyway, was it was amazing, um, and I really, really enjoyed playing it actually. Um, so I thought, you know, this is just some silly iPhone game when I actually sat down or iPad game, but um, it's actually really funny. So you play as a matchmaker and you have these books of clients and the clients come in and they each have, you know, different stats basically and you have to match them up and try and make sure they have a good time. You send them on a date, you play various mini games to see how things turn out and stuff like that. But um, I, I, I turned it on and then this guy appears in the matchmaking center or whatever and he's like hi my name's Mervyn I'm a conspiracy theorist looking for love and I was like yes this is gonna be amazing um and it's just uh they all have like really funny um like British act I don't think there's actually any 
I can't even remember now. I don't think there's voice acting in it, but in the text, um, you can tell that they've got British accents because they speak in kind of Cockney dialect, some of them, or like, um, I think possibly it was designed by American developers who've made, I get that impression from it anyway. It's very much, um, Dick Van Dyke idea of what constitutes British. Um, but it's really, really funny. And, um, so you send people on these dates and you have to do things like, um, you have to pick, you know, based on what they like. So this guy will be like, I really like girls with brown hair and blue eyes. And you'll be like, all right, fine. Brown hair, blue eyes. And then you have to do things like pick a meal based on, you know, they might be vegetarian or something. So you've got to pick something that, you know, they'll like. And then, um, they do wow. things like, yeah, it's really, like, it's really involved. You wouldn't <laughs> I was expect say, you it. You would have right? thought when she put the two people together, the matchmaker's role will be done. But no, she really goes the whole hog. No, you have, so your clients have an earpiece in, is the story, and you're telling them what to do and what to say. So, um, so they'll do things like, um, the person, the date will say, what do you think of my natural makeup? And then it will be like, should I tell the truth? Which is like, meh. Or should I lie and pretend I really like it? And if you decide to lie, you have to spin a wheel to decide whether the lie pays off or not. It's like, it's really clever. Lies. Um, and obviously if it doesn't, then you get negative points, but if it does pay off, then you get hearts floating around and they'll do things like, um, your date will disappear to the bathroom and then they'll come back and be like, all right, mate, I've changed my look a bit. And then you have to, you have to remember what they looked like before and tell them what's changed about them. So they might've dyed their hair or like, or got a haircut or changed their clothes and you have to remember what they looked like before. Got a haircut in the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. So like the guy that I was, the guy that my guy was dating, he'd changed, he dyed his moustache or something. Um, but if you get it right, they get like, you know, plus points for the relationship and stuff. And if it all pays off, they get to go and have a nice time in here in a hot tub. Well, I mean, I'm hoping that it gives me some, some tips, you know, cause I could really do with some help, I think. And this is, I think it's going to give me an advantage. But the good thing about it is that you can, um, you can play. So there are characters of either gender and you can play as gay or straight, um, or bi or whatever. You know, the person will come along and be like, I'm looking for either. I'm not fussy or something like that. It's, uh, it's quite funny. But the, um, in the loading screen, you get like a picture of the, uh, of Kitty Powers, um, who's the drag queen, and it'll say things like, in this game, you can be gay or straight. Ooh, how progressive! And stuff like that. It's just, it's hilarious, and it's out now, so everyone who's listening to this should buy it, because it's really funny. I think it's like one ninety nine, no in-app purchases or anything, uh, which is good. Well, uh, so, yeah. What did you see when you were there, Pip? Um, like I say, I, I didn't have much time, so I headed straight upstairs to the indie stuff. Um, and the thing that really, really, really stuck out for me was a lighting chorus, which is an absolutely beautiful game, um, where all of the objects and the landscape and things are made from these little point clouds, which are basically clusters of, of light dots, um, that I guess look a bit like fireflies. Um, but they, they describe these you know, like lampposts and, um, like a fairground and trees and, you know, uh, different kinds of like terrain, like slopes and, and little sort of hillock kind of things. Um, and, uh, it's just the, the, a testament to sort of how atmospheric and how sort of lovely it was is that I was playing this obviously in the middle of a busy, um, expo and i absolutely just lost myself for a few minutes mm. um i think i was playing it for about 10 minutes um because 
it was it was still relatively early on. I mean, like you know, not enough for there not to be a queue at the Destiny stand or whatever. Um, it's out for goodness sake. <laughs> um, although I must say, I was kind of like, yeah, I could get in the queue and kill some fools. Oh no, no, only got a few minutes. I've got Destiny at home. Um, so yeah, yeah. Sony also did the thing which was kind of annoying, where they seemed to mix up a bunch of their stuff. Like they'd have like uh, AQ to get into a room where there were like three different games. Which was kind of annoying if you only wanted to see one of them. Mm. Yeah, or if you wanted to play all three of them, because apparently you had to go and queue uh, again. Yeah, that's something. Because I think the, the one I was tempted to see was Bloodborne, but I was in with some other pot stuff that had people queuing around the block. Yeah, The Order and mm. something else. I tell you what, I played The Order and because I got to go in early on Sunday and it's so boring. I'm so sad because it looked like so much fun. Anyway, Pip, sorry, carry on. That's okay. Um, yeah, like, so A Light and Chorus is, is uh, lovely and, and you get to sort of wander around and you can have um, the build that I played, you had like an object in your inventory or you had space for an object and so that could be like, you know, a, a, a top hat composed entirely of like these glowing specks or um, like uh, there were there were some sort of puzzly elements. So when I got to the entrance to this fairground, there was one of the neon lights um, wasn't working. And so you could replace that with like a, a glowing sea that you find sort of slightly earlier on in the path. Um and yeah, just like, so th- there's some basic sort of interaction y kind of stuff. And like the guys, uh, I was speaking to them afterwards, it's, uh, Elliot and Matt, um, they were uh, explaining to me that there were a few things that I'd like, because apparently I'd done very well. I am very good at the point cloud adventures. Anyway, um, but um, some of the things that I'd missed were like, there was a Ferris wheel, but you could actually um, unhook uh, the carriages from the Ferris wheel and put them in your inventory and like, you know, uh, rearrange them on the thing. And, and so I was kind of wondering what the effect of that would be. And like there's health skelter and there's, you know, you can turn the lights on and off by swapping them for, you know, one like a, a lamppost that's sort of glowing orange and you know for one that's blue which seems to be the game's sort of default not exactly not lit color but it's the it you know obviously as a cooler kind of color it's i guess the off version of some of those things um while still being you know part of this point cloud stuff um, do you feel like the fact that you, the way you interact with the game is by swapping things out, do you think that that feels natural or that it fits with the aesthetic? Because I was a bit, I, it felt kind of disjointed to me, like the, I felt, I, like I felt like the I think they haven't negotiated it properly yet, because I was talking to them about that and about some other things after, and like, there's a definite tension between, like, your desire to explore and to just sort of experience the stuff that's around you and the way that you interact with it. Mm. So um, I feel like with a game like Unfinished Swan, you know exactly what you're doing. Like it feels right that you're throwing blobs of paint at the world. Like that feels like a natural way to interact with it. Yeah. But with a lighting chorus, it seemed a bit, seemed a bit strange. Like they'd kind of just thought, Hmm, <laughs> we need something. I know. How about swapping objects? I think it's very much like 
it felt like a working prototype, you know, like a kind of proof of concepty kind of thing, and then maybe a bit further. But yeah, um, so I think they've definitely, you know, like it's by no means like the finished product, and I think they're still kicking around ideas. And and like I say, like they're aware of the tension between, like you know, having a sort of a puzzle element, the way that that's been implemented, and you know, the way in which people are sort of attempting to sort of move around because the other thing is like how the planes work in the game so you you see these like clouds that describe these little hills and things and you can move them around and and sort of almost reconfigure the terrain but when you walk over then it's still you just walking through it so there's still a sort of an intangible quality to it which sort of works in some senses because it's like you know just a magical space but also sort of doesn't work in that if you are manipulating the environment, sort of to what end? So, but, like, I am so super interested to see what they do next, and it was it was actually a really lovely experience. I really, really enjoyed it. And, yeah, like, I didn't have that same sense of dissonance, or at least, like, I, I see what you mean, definitely, but mm. it's a thing that, like... I just sort of had in my mind as a, I wonder what they'll do to fix this rather than. Yeah. Like, yeah. I it, mean, it was it in the left field collection, right? So yeah. Was... See, Pip, didn't you write about a lighting chorus at a rock, paper, shotgun? I did. I as, did. As part of your new gig. <laughs> yes, indeed. I think that might have actually been the first thing I wrote for them. My, my okay. first as, as a staff writer. So, hmm. Yeah, we've probably much like the start. Yeah, I felt like we should say <laughs> something in case there are any of our readers who don't read Rock Paper Shotgun and, and need an excuse to go over there. Oh yeah, no, no, I have a new job. I work at Rock Paper Shotgun now. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, but yeah, so that was that was my highlight from um, from EGX, and I'm really glad that I that I went all the way over to Earl's Court just to sort of to sort of check that out. I was also really interested to see how the um, the esports stuff that they were having on um, panned out, but it ended that the weekend was just so busy, and I was had um, had a match for the the tournament that I was part of, like a completely separate thing. Um, so I ended up like not watching it and haven't had a chance to catch up. So I am going to try and see who won, and like yeah, just sort of how that went. Did you play anything else in the left field collection? Uh, I played a few bits. I played did you play um, how to be a tree. Yes, I did. That <laughs> I was actually really it. cool. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that actually. Sorry, sorry, developers. Um, yeah, like so. Just to explain, um, how to be a tree, you have uh, obviously a, a tree shape, but by sort of moving the uh, arrow keys, isn't it? Like you, it it, it unfurls and um, contracts and things, and by doing that, you can actually sort of bounce and roll your way along the landscape, and also sort of stretch yourself out so that you can sort of waggle down like really thin holes and things like that. That was that was pretty pretty awesome actually. I just loved the beginning. It was mm. like, hi, you're a tree. Don't worry. It's easy to be a tree. You don't have to do anything. You don't even have to move. <laughs> and if you just stand there and don't press anything, it just keeps talking. This like floating eye or whatever it is. How long did you do that for? Ages, because I wanted <laughs> to see what it would say. And then I was aware that there were other people behind me who wanted to play. So I thought I'd better get a move on. <laughs> but yeah, that was good. Um, yeah. 
I also liked Four Man, which is the iPad game in which you play a trampolining man who you kind of drag down and then let go and he jumps and then you swipe um, in kind of all directions and with different gestures and he does flips and things and you get a high score. I think that will be one for people competing with their friends. Mm. Uh, I, I played... Um... Right, is it Luminosity or Luminosity? Because obviously it's like based on that word, but like I, I don't know what that's actually. Yeah, like, it doesn't seem to actually be about light, so it's not really a pun. Isn't it a sequel to Loom? Oh. I do not know. Um, um, sure, I read that somewhere. The other somewhere. competitive, the best stand along with Kitty Powers, I think. But yeah, because that's absolutely lovely. Like, because you're sort of. Um, completing puzzles to sort of move your way around this absolutely gorgeous sort of paper crafty world um i like they had the the tiny paper craft versions of the world actually in little um perspex boxes so that you could have a little look at them i really wanted to get them out and play with them but well because apparently they actually they like filmed the mm. the general the actual physical models and that's what they used rather than make um so it wasn't like in Tearaway where they say they made the levels but then they recreated them on the computer they actually used kind of stop motion style uh filming mm. I think or so I was told <laughs> maybe it's bollocks I don't know well I remember that like the the trailer definitely featured those. So I don't know about the rest, but um, yeah, and that was that was interesting actually because like there were a couple of times where I think like because of the aesthetic of it, the the thing that you needed to do wasn't entirely clear. Like there's a bit where you have to um, ring a bell so that someone pulls you up on on like a rope sort of thing platform, um, and so but but you couldn't actually necessarily tell the the bit that was the bell like i just knew that there must be something around there to click on but it wasn't sort of um visually distinct so i just ended yeah. up sort of clicking around to sort of try and find you know the pixel space that i needed but it was you know it wasn't particularly distinct so i you know it was it was more a sort of working out you know the thing that should be happening and then like a bit later there's a puzzle that involves lemons and you can work out the point of it and what you're supposed to do but there's just like a couple of like visual cues missing i think at the moment like that don't make it obvious how you interact with it in some ways yeah they've got like, to strike a balance between the aesthetic that they want to go for and actual usability which i think that i don't know it might quite upset them because it seems like they're really really going for the for the aesthetic over anything else yeah, like they were like saying be... that there would be like a hint system and stuff. But the thing is, it didn't feel like it was something that needed a hint. It just needed a bit more visual clarity mm. because I could tell exactly what I needed to do. Or as in, I so I guess like, I don't really want to spoil it, but I guess it's so early on in the game, it doesn't count as a spoiler for the actual game, maybe. But um Basically, skip ahead like five minutes if you don't want to know. Um, essentially, there's a bit in it where you've collected a bunch of lemons from a lemon tree and you're trying to make a circuit board work and um, you're using the lemons as kind of batteries and you overlay a piece of paper and it sort of has some pluses and minuses and things. But the way that that's laid out, like... 
And so you start like putting lemons on these things. But once you start doing that, if you start doing it um, the way I did it, you 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 only put the lemon on one thing, if that makes sense. Like there's a sort of you wonder if it's like a one-to-one relationship or whether you're supposed to sort of point the things at each other. And then, you know, that I, like I asked about it and the guy was like, oh, you, you actually can hang them on two things at once. And so you sort of have to have them on a plus and a minus point, you know, to sort of you know, create the circuitry and stuff. And it makes sense. It's just that, like, I could see that I was supposed to be using them as a battery and stuff like that. It just felt like the game could have like indicated visually somehow that these things could share like a hook point. Cause otherwise, you know, you might be prone to thinking, you know, well, you can put one thing on one thing and then maybe you're supposed to overlap the lemons themselves or like, you know, what, I don't know. Sounds very fiddly. I didn't get that far. I gave I'm up. not explaining it massively. Well, I, I, I assume then, but, um, cause it wasn't, it wasn't hugely complicated. It was just, there seemed to be a, a leap from, or, or at least they could have just added in maybe a sentence or like a little bit on, of a picture or, you know, a, another thing that you could pick up that would just have a little bit more of an explanation that wasn't as like, cause with hints, you feel like you've sort of failed a bit. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of, in that situation it could have been the game's fault. Like if if I can tell the the way the puzzle is supposed to work or like at least the end result of it and why it's happening then not being able to work out how mechanically I'm supposed to do it. I don't know like maybe everybody else got it. Maybe they did. I but it if I'd had to ask for a hint for that, I'd have been a bit, oh. Yeah, there's a difference between hints and helpful design, mm. I guess. Mm. Um, I guess uh, did either of you two get a chance to play Pixel Rift? No. no. I've been looking at videos of it online, though. It looks so cool. Mm. Yeah, no, it was really good. And you've probably seen all of the videos, because it was a fairly short demo. Um which you play um, as like a young kid playing a Game Boy under their desk. Um, oh, is this an Oculus Rift yes. thing? Right. Thus, thus the name Pixel Rift. I get yeah. it. I get it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm with you. So you're in Pixel Rift, but you're also playing a game called Pixel Rift. Yeah. And you're playing it on your Game Girl. Yes, it's under a game your girl. desk in Fantastic. Class. Five uh, points. <laughs> and uh, so yeah. Uh, and you're trying to do that without surreptitiously without the teacher seeing you. Uh, and you also have a little pea shooter that you can use to uh, annoy other kids in your class. There's a game like that in um, Game & Wario for the Wii U, where you play a Game Boy. I think you're in bed, and you have to play a Game Boy, and you have to hide it when your mum peeps in. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was really good. And that's, that was made by someone from the National Film and Television Institute. Anna Ribeiro. Yes. Uh, there are a lot of small student games there but that was the most impressive one by far away like I was looking at um, another video where she talks about it and uh, apparently like the fuller game is 
Um, it's obviously got that biographical element, autobiographical element, and then, but it's also sort of touches on the history of of uh, gaming because, you know, you yeah. sort of start off as a baby and and it's the late seventies, I think, and you've got you know a, a console from that period, and then it kind of updates the consoles as you move through the levels and you move through her life. Yeah, there's like a um, there's a menu screen at the start which. Um, basically has you selecting a different era and it'll have a year and a console next to it um, but the only one that you could select in, in the demo at EGX obviously was the Game Boy kind of school era in I can't remember what it was 1980 early 1980s I think mm. um, yeah but yeah that's a really cool uh, really interesting idea it was interesting that the National Film and Television Institute section was very clearly shooting the stuff, a lot of which was half finished or still in progress. It was almost kind of like there were the, you had it was almost like you had the indie section, you had the left field section, which was the more indie than indie section, and then you had the student section, which was the more indie than indie than indie section. <laughs> Infinite regression of yeah. indies. Although to be fair, upstairs was also like the over eighteen section, I think, because yeah, I, I got away from that. going up the stairs. Oh, the pick, you didn't. Yeah. Oh. So... <laughs> I mean, I'm 30, but it's fine. <laughs> we had a, um, on Sunday, I was manning the Ask About Games store, which is, um, we were like handing out leaflets about Peggy ratings and stuff. And this 17 year old boy came up and asked if we could sneak him into the 18 zone. I was like, buddy, that's not why we're here. <laughs> he was like, isn't there just an armband or something you can give me? I was like, no, no, there's not. There's, um, yeah, there was. No, it was a bit obvious. He's going to have the shock of his life when he finds out that you don't get a special armband for being a grown-up. <laughs> I wish like, you did. That, that would be amazing. So cool. But, like, no, you just have to either, like, fork out for a driver's license or a provisional license, or you have to actually, you know, make sure you don't your passport everywhere with <laughs> you. God, I wish I had an armband. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I did end up around that section, because also, like, right next to the left field selection in it, collection and a weird sort of clash of styles was the fight zone as they called it and I randomly ended up in there because I found that um, the Sherlock Holmes game was in the fight zone for some reason hmm uh, seemingly misfiled um, but I played that for a bit oh because everyone was going on about it and I couldn't find it yeah it's because it was hidden in the fighting game section for some bizarre reason so is it really that good I don't know really I it, I found it interesting but uh, I only played a little bit of it, and both the good and bad things I've heard said about it were very true. Like the idea of um, making deductions by connecting two different clues, I like. Uh, I liked it way back when it was in Discord Noir in the nineties. Um, and then other things like I know um, I know John Walker was very critical of it for Rock Shotgun, and some of the stuff he points out, like the fact that the the cam the third person camera is just awful. Um, are completely correct, and I have no idea why that game isn't point and click, because it's, it's just like, um, it's, it's exactly the same problem that Grim Fandango had in trying to do a 3D adventure game. Um, so, I really didn't know what to make of it, because it feels like it's just taken this huge grab bag of mechanics and just thrown them at the screen, like, there's, uh, there's so many different kinds of, I mean, there's regular adventure game stuff, there's, um, uh, there's conversational stuff, there's this weird system where you 
like do a replay camera of someone during a conversation and then you make notes about their appearance by just clicking on them. <laughs> It'd uh, be so like, cool if you could do that in real life. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> just like stop and rewind. <laughs> there's like little quick time events and mini games, um and there's a there's a, there's a weird like a uh, um dart throwing golf meter mini game. There's uh there's dress up Sherlock. As for some reason Sherlock has loads of outfits you can decide to change at any point. Amazing. Um, and yeah, it's just like they've anything they can come up with are thrown at the wall and it's hard to tell because I didn't actually manage to finish the first mystery because I'd been playing it for after playing it for like fifteen minutes or so I decided I should probably go look at something else. Um so it's hard to tell without actually getting to the end of one of the mysteries how good it is. Um but yeah, the, the, and there are definite problems with it. Like I said, most of them were, I think, outlined by John. But I don't really know, like, how much the how important those wound up being to me. Like the fact that it, um, the, the bit where it really irritated me was so you find this guy in the demo one who's been um, murdered by being harpooned to death. He's an ex-whaler, and someone t- took one of his harpoons and threw it through him and pinned him to a wall. Sure. And at one point, you decide uh, Holmes. Um, at one point, you um, uh, you got this guy in, in custody, and you do the sort of Sherlock Holmes scan thing on him, um, and he goes, oh, and he, he reels off a bunch of things that say this guy has clearly, um, um, and he doesn't think this guy is strong enough to have thrown the harpoon. So in order to do that, he, he decides to do an experiment, which is very Sherlock Holmesy, where he and Watson, you know, uh, go to a butcher's and throw harpoons at a pig carcass. Uh, <laughs> Except right. that unfortunately that involves you like walking around like three different locations to say hello to Watson, pick up the harpoon, go to the butcher shop, and then do this fairly crappy like dart throwing mini game in order to deduce that no, he probably wasn't strong enough. Imagine Which if we were all murdered. Imagine if we were all murdered by the tools of our trade. <laughs> what would we be killed by? Just beaten to death by a keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> Strangled with a mouse cord. <laughs> um so other other times it seems to be working quite well. There's um there were some quite nice moments when I first arrived on the on the uh, on the crime scene and you just click on a thing uh, on the garden and Holmes would reel off a nice clever a nice clever sound induction like this garden is well tended. There must be a gardener working here or something. Um, wow, genius. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then other times it feels like it could totally be brute force by just click. You, you, it's that um. It's just waiting you to click on all the things. It does have the single best um, like control tooltip I've ever seen in the game, actually. Just press L1 to launch imagination. <laughs> L1 to launch imagination? Yes, because uh, uh, imagination basically is kind of... I didn't get to do this. It's kind of like um, he reconstructs the crime scene in his head, um, I think is the idea. That's pretty um, cool. Kind of like Ethan Carter does, um, which I haven't played, but uh, which I've heard is very good. Um, also, the, the other one he has is press R1 to launch Sherlock talent, which is a less one named. Um, which is literally just like black and white's the screen, and occasionally picks up some hints as to where objects are, that things are that you should look at. Um, so, yeah, I, I really don't know what to make of it. I think um, it... You'd, I'd have to follow at least one mystery all the way through to get a feel for how well it all slotted together, but at the moment it feels, yeah, kind of like they just threw a lot of stuff at the wall and I don't really know what's stuck yet. Um, Fair enough. 
There's even a brief bit of cover shooter when um, at the beginning you are introduced. Uh, you play as Watson at the very beginning because Holmes uh, tried to talk Holmes out of firing wildly with his uh, was at some vases whilst wearing a blindfold for reasons. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a very strange game. And Sounds it's not good. A fighter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but maybe it is. Maybe you just didn't get to the fighting bit. Maybe, maybe. you had to get past all the random stuff and then it is just a fighting game. Mm. Don't cool. speak too soon. Don't be too hasty. <laughs> uh, is it time for some questions from Twitter? Sure. I think we've Probably. only really got one question, unfortunately. I got what? two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, you go ahead, Andrew. I got asked, well, um, Vera, I don't know how to pronounce her surname, but I think it's Lack, Lackmaker, mm. asked me, how would you like to be featured on my new game-related radio station, which I think I think is just a question for me, unfortunately, um, to which I will say, I'm always happy to talk. Um, that's pretty much my favourite thing to do. Um, and then the second question was from Kate Gray, uh, previous guest on Not A Game, previously Ooh. of Official Nintendo Magazine, now of Official Xbox Magazine, who asks, if you could borrow an accessory... Who was also EGX with us, in fact. Yes, she was. We spent some time with her. And I... <laughs> so I tweeted today, and this is... Sorry about this, Pip. But I tweeted today that I was glad to have met some other ladies at EGX. <laughs> um, and I tagged Kate and Holly Nielsen and Lucy James... Um, and then apparently it was decided that we were the Spice Girls of, of the games journalism, um, <laughs> field. Um, so I've been, I've been labeled Posh Spice. Holly Nielsen is, is Baby Spice. And I think Kate, for some reason, is Ginger Spice. And I'm pretty sure she's not Ginger. But hang on, if there's only four of you, Jerry yeah. left. I know. Well, we, um, uh, we tagged in someone else whose <laughs> name I've completely forgotten. But Debbie. also, also some, no, it wasn't Debbie, because I've met her already. It was all people I'd never met before, and I met them <laughs> first at EGX. But anyway, so Kate Gray, also known as Ginger Spice, um, asks, if you could borrow an accessory, open brackets, Ezio's hidden blades, snake's eye patch, close brackets, from a game character, what would it be? Now I have an answer, so I can go if you guys need time to think. That would be good. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so my answer is, um, I look pretty good in hats, so it would probably be a hat. Um, I don't actually know as much about in-game hats as, for instance, um, you do, Pip. But, <laughs> but I do. You know should. Uh, or you should put on the um, uh, the Horace hat from. Um, I do know that there are a few characters who have pretty cool hats. Mm. E.g., I think I would look good in one of the hats that they wear in L.A. Noir. Mm. Um, are they Trilby's? Actually, RPS and PC gamer both have their own hats now in TF2. Well, <laughs> there we go. I would, I would obviously have both uh, a PC gamer hat and an RPS hat. But to add to my collection, I would also have a Trilby from LA Noir, and mm. I like Carmen Sandiego's hat from mm. Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego. Um, and also, I kind of would just want to have like a, you know, um, Haytham Kenway from Assassin's Creed. I think he has like a three-cornered hat or something, and I'm yeah. not sure if I would if I would wear it or if I would just want him to wear it and just keep keep him nearby because I quite like him. Oh, Pitt, um, wasn't you? I'm sure Pitt was saying something similar to this. Oh, Three he's hats very hot apparently. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Town <Tell> colours. <laughs> I swear it's hats. So, uh, so yeah, hats. 
of all kinds. Basically, I think maybe just if I could just have a hat closet with a hat mm. from, from every game, um, that would be me sorted. One for every day of the year. I was always annoyed that um, neither Assassin's Creed 3 nor 4 actually let you wear a tricornet hat. Do they not? I don't know. You think you have to stick with your hood the whole time. It's really annoying. That sucks. I think I'd like a cape or a scythe. And I appreciate that they occupy different parts of the (laughs) accessory spectrum. But I think a good cape that you can sort of really sort of swish... Maybe as uh, you Batman's make an exit. From, uh, no, Batman's a, good cape. a dorky cape. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't feel like he uses it properly. You know, he just sort of... With superheroes, they just sort of let them sort of dangle and do their own thing. I'm very into cape choreography, you know? And he doesn't do any of that. He doesn't do the sort of lifting it up to obscure half his face or, you know, any of no, that nonsense. True. So, like, I just feel like he might as well not have a damn cape. It does like, do a good flow, flowing out dramatically behind him when he runs, though. Yeah, that's just... Oh, he's so emo. <laughs> like, a lot of these game characters do not need capes. Like, what the hell is with the Master Chief having a cake? A cake? A cape in that in that teaser. Mm. Oh, yeah. What is that, the point? That brilliant one where the guy in full armour is still wearing a coat. Yeah, and the Destiny... The Destiny... The Hunter? Does the Hunter have a cape? Yes, yeah, some of them are pretty cool, actually. I mean, they're but, cool, like, but... I don't know, I would really like an ornate scythe, though, <laughs> you know? Well, you've got to have one in your capsule wardrobe, right? It's very spring-summer 2015, I think. Um, so, yeah, but, like, you know, just one that would... Maybe it could have a magic power, like, in the way of, like, you know... Well, I was going to say severing people's souls from their bodies, but you could just do that with a regular scythe, couldn't you, really? Um, but uh, Do you want to be the Grim Reaper? Because that's what I'm getting from this film. Maybe I should. Although, like, right, so the Grim Reaper in most, like, games tends to have quite a plain scythe. Hmm. Like, it is just, like, a wooden haft and then, like, just a plain business-like the, um, the blade. Grim in The Sims 4 has an iPad. Really? <laughs> I think but so, I've got yeah. an iPad. I don't have a side. That's <laughs> um, the problem. <laughs> fair point. So there are some Dota characters which have some pretty... Well, one which has a pretty damn good scythe. But um, I'm trying to think of things I that aren't Dota. a more busy scythe than maybe uh, the second dark side as you play as death. Hmm, that could... Because, like, I was, when you mentioned the Grim Reaper, I was thinking of Greg from... Um, Conquers Bad Fur Day, but um, I don't think that because he's got that massive vendetta against like cats and catfish because they have multiple lives and it really pisses him off. Oh, I haven't played that game in such a long time. Um, so yeah, an ornate scythe, but we need to narrow it down. And I will be googling for scythes as soon as as soon as we finish with this podcast. Tom, Tom, what uh, what accessory does a giant need? <laughs> See, I don't usually accessorize very much. I'm very, very functional in my dressing. Maybe um, you should. I, I don't know. Um, I quite like maybe um, Garrus's eye thing. You know, that Ooh. Sort of monocle he has. Yeah. Cyber monocle. I'm going to call it a cyber monocle now. Aren't you worried that Pip will start fancying you? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it's the mandibles. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. Uh yeah, there's um there's a thing about it in Shadow Broker, I think. Um where it like uh yeah, where it um 
it explains that he has like a, I think he has a bunch of names written on it from the people that he was trying to avenge. But also, it contains like um, it contains like an MP3 player which keeps going through music that he listens to when he's shooting people. That's awesome. I w- yeah, no, that sounds pretty damn cool. Mm. Not as cool as my scythe, obviously, but I mean, you know. Admittedly, in the real world, I would just look like someone with a terrible knockoff Google Glass. I was going to say, actually, <laughs> it's just, you know, you you might end up on the Google Glass end of, of the... Mm. Uh, yeah. Nobody likes Google Glass. Aesthetically. Uh, I did actually... I met a guy wearing Google Glass recently, and he had, um, he had a tinted version, which actually looks a lot better. Hmm. Well, that's it looks less like you're trying to hide it. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, it looks like it might actually have a function as well beyond just being Google Glass, you know? Mm. Like, I don't know. I think for me, they don't, they don't look amazingly like attractive as glasses, you know? No, I should say they look better when they're tinted because they look like, they look more like sunglasses, isn't it? But like, even if they just designed it a bit more, you mm. know, otherwise they just look like slightly non-fun glasses, but with, you know, a, a thick bit on, you know, the, the, uh, frame on the handle. Mm-hmm. On the arms, that's the word I needed. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think we've answered that comprehensively. Thank mm-hmm. you, Kate. Right. Well. Having sorted out all of the questions and having having talked about all of the games, uh, shall we make our closing statements? Because <laughs> this is now a court case, <laughs> obviously. Objection. <laughs> oh, maybe Professor Layton's cane. He has a cane, right? Are you thinking of um? Are you thinking of Professor Layton or are you thinking of Phoenix Wright? I was thinking of Professor Layton because of the Phoenix Wright crossover. Right, Because I've mentioned court. And then I suddenly thought, hang on, did he have a cane? Because I'd quite like to tap things imperiously. You'd have to have quite a little one, though. Look. (laughs) (laughs) I know that I'm really not one to talk. (laughs) As somebody who is... That's how I'd know if anyone had stolen it. Because they'd be like, this is totally my cane. And you'd be like, okay, lean on it. And then if they were bent virtually double, I'd be like, yeah, that's mine. Give it back. Just fall over. Yeah, exactly. So um, anyway, yeah, no, I, I'll stop re-answering things. <laughs> now that the moment has passed. Ezio <laughs> has a pretty good cape. He has a kind of over-the-shoulder thing going on. Ezio uh, is also Ezio. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can live up to those standards. Italians are always the best when it comes to fashion. <laughs> Okay, cool. So, Jordan, where can we find you on this there interweb? What what are you? Are we doing where self-promotion? are you? Yes. Um, I am at jordanweber.com, which is where my blog about EGX has gone up. Mm-hmm. And I'm also on Twitter at jawsew, which is J-A-W-S-E-W. And you are also nominated for a thing. Oh, oh yes. yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, well, Jordan okay. was nominated for a Games Media Award, so if you would like to go along and read the thing that she has been nominated for, where can you find that? Do you so, know? 
The article was on Kotaku UK. Um, it was about disabled gamers. I wrote about a friend of mine who has cerebral palsy, and he's basically fine at playing games apart from when you have to do a quick time event. Um, mm-hmm. Which and he, he finds those just as annoying as the rest of us, except he's got more of a reason to find them annoying, and they actually stop him from playing games, which is really really um, upsetting. So yeah, I wrote this article about it, and it got nominated for the Gamers Choice category which means that it is up for a public vote, um, which means that if people think that it is an important article, they can vote for it so that I have the possibility of winning an award. But I would ask that if people want to do that, they do look at the other articles in the category because there are quite a few and um, and they're all really, really good. And I wouldn't want to win something just because I told people to vote for me on a podcast. Um, but that's on if you go on MCV um, or I, I will give Tom the links and he'll put them in the show notes, but you can, sure. can vote for it there. Hmm. Excellent. Well done for your nomination, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. And well done you for getting a new job at Rock Paper Shotgun. <laughs> We're all doing marvellously this week. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Tom, have you had any accomplishments recently, or should we just pretend that we didn't None ask? whatsoever. All right, cool. <laughs> well, you're not ill anymore. That's a That's thing. True. That's a good thing. Um, and you navigated the train successfully. Oh, so, there we well go. Well done, you. Well Thanks. done. That's coming across as <laughs> I made a new website. That's, uh, you can go visit oh, yeah. that now. Oh, yeah, you should definitely go to, is it not a game dot com. com. Excellent. It's not and a game podcast. Our faces and mm. words and audio-ness, which is pretty damn awesome. Tom, who are you on Twitter? I'm, uh, uh at Word Mercenary. Marvellous. Mm. I was going to say, we were not nominated for Best Podcast on the, uh, on the GMAs, which is a real shame. But, but uh, we are the best podcast, so it doesn't matter. Obviously, yes. Maybe. May, well, maybe we should we should introduce some special effects mm. just at random intervals and make it feel like really big budget and that there's explosions happening and, and fireworks. Pip, Pip, you were on One Life Left recently. They're nominated. What, what's the secret? Um, well, it's not having me on there, really, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't. I think that well, they're very good at what they do, and they have a professional radio studio and all that kind of thing. So maybe, maybe we just need to. I, I still think the explosions. Okay. So yeah. Um, and you can find me at Philippa War on Twitter and at Rock Paper Shotgun. On on that. <laughs> right. In that case, uh, but not actually at philippawar.co.uk because that site doesn't seem to work anymore. Oh, so oh, <laughs> the the renewal on my um on my uh domain name um thingy uh did not work, so I need to chase up about that. Mm. Which is fun time. So no, I do not have a website at the moment. Well, I've kind of got about eight websites, but not that one. <laughs> So, anyway, right, shut up, Pip. Let's go. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. That was my explosion sound. Oh. <laughs>